Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League Rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we are here for an emergency origin one review, similar to what we used to do the first couple of years, Boxhead. We did, yeah, until we got a little bit lazy. Yeah, so. I wouldn't say lazy. And it was also the Blues sucked, so... They did suck, but we were busy. We have gotten busier and busier over the last couple of years, footy, coaching, work, the podcast, etc., and obviously not living in the same house like we did when we originally started makes it a bit more difficult, but... Yeah, pretty good well, I result. Can't say how happy I am about not living in that house. So. Yeah, fair call, yeah. fair call. Uh, Origin one, pretty much. Or well, you had Queensland. You picked Gossip. He tipped Queensland as well. I think more of that was a little bit to do with the previous record being at Suncorp, whatnot. But originally, when the sides were named, we did criticise a couple of selections. And I'm guessing from last night's result, twenty-eight to four, we were justified in criticising those selections. Maroons basically as they were at home. I just thought it would be a close game, but um, I certainly didn't see that coming. Oh, I didn't see that coming at all, so I don't think many people did. There weren't many that predicted it, so anyone that tipped New South Wales uh, would have done so in a close game. Uh, I, I had a big bet, massive bet on uh, either side to win by less than six and a half and did my cash, so. Well, I said that one to twelve is usually the market to go for, but there was a bit of a feel. I was confident that New South Wales would win, but couldn't understand why people were writing off Queensland so heavily. Uh, there was a fair bit of criticism. I know those players were out, and in the end, that does play a factor. But you do get that feeling, like we said, 14, 15 of the players were the right calls. A little worried about how the subs were going to be used for New South Wales, but it is our time. Um, you look at the possible changes that they can make even for the next game, there's not a whole lot they can change up uh, to make things better. And, uh, you know, even those couple of older guys, they're saying that are missing. English, your Thurston's, Matt Scott. They're, if they're going to play, they would have played this year at best, possibly next year if they're healthier. But there's going to be a fairly heavy turnover for them in the next 12 months. Yeah, and you just wonder whether they've uh, blooded enough players. So that's probably what they're going to look at doing now. So do you, do you either do you flick these older guys and then sort of feed these younger guys down to the walls here in Sydney or do you stick with the same side and hope for a different result? It's it's a hard one for them to juggle because they've started the series off with, you know, what we identified as probably three or four players that were lucky to be there and they all got pretty put badly exposed last night. Um, there wasn't there weren't many Queenslanders there, uh, Queensland players there that I uh, thought played to their potential last night, that's for sure. A lot of that had to do with how good the Blues were, but you look at sort of the discipline stats, you know, there were three all in the penalties, six errors each. Completion rates were both over 80%, so, you know, you're looking at just pure football. There wasn't, there weren't too many discrepancies in terms of 
obviously we had more ball, uh, but that comes with how many points we scored. Um, I think we did a better job sort of executing and holding on to it as well. But for, for the for the most part, it was uh, we just played better footy than them. We right. played better man-to-man. There, there wasn't any refereeing decisions that we're talking about um, or bad calls or anything like that. I thought the first half is as good a half of origin as I've ever seen. Oh, it was out- ever seen. It was outstanding. The, the pace was frantic. And obviously, in the end, 28-4. to four. Oates was the only try scorer for them before the close of halftime. Uh, for New South Wales, Maloney scored early. Pierce right on halftime. Then we had an eight-minute flurry in the second half. Tedesco for feeder. And Hain, uh, like you said, possession stats, they were 83%. We were 90, so really high quality. And the missed tackles was the most probably random thing when you look at this. Usually in an NRL game, uh, you know, between two sides, there might be 50, 60 total for the game. There was over 100, 58 by Queensland, 48 by New South Wales. And I think that just sums up the frantic pace that the game was played at, the fact that there was no errors. 40, 42 of those were Aaron Woods. Oh, well, he didn't have a great first-up contact. There's no doubt about that. But the the two things that stand out, and like you said, penalties, errors were the same. But the main difference, which we never really seem to get, is those moments. And we had more try saves and I think line breaks as well for one of the first times uh, probably in the last couple of years. I think we created more opportunities and we seized on those opportunities. Six, three line breaks, and I think we saved two tries to none. Well, I think we saved more than that. We they, they, It could have easily been five tries all, really. Um, we saved, yeah, at least two. I would have thought three or four we saved. Um, yeah, so and that, that's a nice change. Nice to see that. Yeah, oh, well, let's break it down a little bit more. You, you look at this, basically, you look at the first half of it. The New South Wales pack, uh, you know, that, that was the big thing. And this game started at an absolutely ridiculous pace. There was no stoppages in the first 20 minutes until Smith finally decided it was time for a break, and probably rightfully so, because we were definitely getting the better uh, of the territory and dominating their forwards. Uh, they did They did a real good job bombing Corey Oates, who we identified earlier in the week was going to be a factor to help out that pack, and that is isolated and whacked him. They really got stuck into Nate Miles as well, and it was really, really good to see finally um, that we just didn't pay them the respect and hold off. I, I thought we finally ripped in and gave them what they deserved. Yeah, well, I don't know what we're respecting. We, we tend to respect them based on what they did last year, like... I don't get that mentality. Look, you respect your opposition regardless of who they are, but the, the rubbish that we've carried on with for the last 10 years um, doesn't make any sense to me. You, you respect you respect your opposition at the end of a series, but once once the new year rolls around, it's a new series, it's a new time, regardless of how many in a row they've won. I, I think we've paid them too much respect, to be honest. Oh, 100%, um, and that's and, half of our downfall. Not only that, but also the wrong selections. But, yeah, there's... There's been a certain bit of uh, air oh, there that look, we look. We, we haven't had that. We have another players. Simple as that. Like I, I do get the argument that we haven't picked the right side, which is correct. Um, but we also haven't had the right coaches and the right selection structures and the right leadership. The whole heap of things, right? But first and foremostly, they've had an exceptional side that's now getting old. They've had. Then we really need to check ourselves a little bit. Like no Inglis, no Scott, no Thurston, no Slater. Come on, like. Really, we should have bashed them twenty-eight-four. So, uh, and that's—I know—that's easy to say now. I wouldn't have been saying that at this time yesterday. But looking at it now, when you look at it holistically and the whole side and the history of how they've dominated us over the last ten years, those—you know—four or five players have been the cornerstone of that, along with Cronk and Smith, um, Boyd, 
But other than that, like if you're looking at sort of the core eight or nine players that have been there, uh, Nate Miles, you throw into that. But he was he was awful last night. He's that's got to be the end of his Origin career. Smith had an uncharacteristically poor game, missed a lot of tackles, looked tired in the middle. Um, Cronk again, like you've been saying all year, he he was quiet, didn't have a massive effect on the game, aside from that uh, nice kick to set up Oates for the first try. But I thought Darius Boyd tried really hard, but to little or no avail because. They were just dominated Queensland, but I think half of those players are out, and I expect Thurston to play. I expect Slater to play at least um, in the next game. So that's going to change the whole complexity and uh, of the of the series of complexion of the series. I, I think you know we, we need to we're going to need to at least perform as good as we did last night down here in Sydney to win the series um, in two games. Yeah, and well, I think the scary thing is we still have improvement, but. Um, the opening, I thought, was brilliant. It was really good to see Dylan Napa get his opportunity. thought he was super aggressive. He threw himself into everything. And typical Nate Miles, with his grubbery, he got knees and flops in and everything else he could have got. But um, I really did think, like I said, New South Wales met the challenge. We had some really good contact early on. We drove him back and started giving it to him. Cord now for Fita. Pete's uh, really, really great performance by him. But honestly, Fafita was the one who instantly broke the game open. The pressure... Uh, that was on Pierce in like the fifth or sixth minute where he dropped it back inside. Fafita beat Miles all up, rampaged three or four blokes and gave Maloney um, that opportunity to score first. And while he was on the field, I just I really felt that we were in total control and he, he led the way and we were just killing them in the, the territory battle. And, then, you know, they just couldn't get any sort of role. And uh, like I said before, isolating Oates and really getting in, into Miles, I, I, they were kicking from 20 and 30 out and... When that's the case, you know, it, it's you, you're really struggling for your fifth tackle options. And, uh, you know, the, their best period of the game, in my opinion, was when Fafita went off the field. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was pretty clear to see. He, he had a huge impact on the game, no, no doubt about it. Um, but I'd, I'd go more back to having Nate Miles. Dylan Arp was a one-man band early. Him and probably Josh Papali is the one that's gone flying under the radar a little bit. He, yeah. Uh, he caused havoc on that very, left edge earlier. Very good. Um, I would have almost yanked him and put him in the middle uh, and moved Miles out to the edge just because of Miles was just getting just hammered. He would get on both sides of the ball. He looked slow. Um, he just couldn't keep up with the pace. So there's absolutely no way that they can pick him again for game uh, game two. With with all the respect and everything he's done for Queensland, you know, no one's going to take that aside from him. But you know, like, he's moving slower than, uh, you, you look at Paul Gallum, like, Paul Gallum is, to his credit, has hung up the boots probably before he he could have, if, if that makes sense. Like, he could have played this year. He's playing well enough in the NRL to play Origin, but he's hanging them up knowing that, you know, eventually Father Time's going to knock on his door and he's going to look like, potentially like Nate Miles did last night. So, um, it's going to be a difficult decision for Kevin Walters because their mantra up there is pick and stick and pick and stick, so... Um, but Dylan, what Dylan Arp did in the first ten minutes was unbelievable. He—that's as good of a performance by a, uh, a front rower in any Origin that I've seen for a, a very, very long time. Uh, you know, he gassed out and couldn't really maintain it, but he didn't have a lot of help. Um, and it was really only for feeder. Uh, I thought um, Boyd Cordner and Nathan Peets did a really good job in the middle. Um, but yeah, it's. It was, it was such a good opening. 
as you said, such a good opening, so intense. Yeah, oh, it was outstanding. And, uh, you know, when Fafita did go off, like we said, they probably did have their best period. And Papali did go under the radar, that left edge. They did have a lot of trouble. He saved a lot of sets for them when they had poor starts by bumping blokes off, getting quick play of the balls. And uh, I've got to give Maguire a rap as well. He always busts his backside, but we did a pretty good job on him. But probably their two most effective players, honestly, were Will Chambers and Dan Gagai, who respectively had... 20 carries apiece for 185 and 220 metres and nine busts and 11 busts each. But it's pretty sad when your outside backs are the only ones that can really make any sort of imprint. And we saw them get a little bit side to side there when they were struggling to get out of their territory. And Cronk, like I said, he hasn't been kicking well for Melbourne, I thought, last year. And I didn't think he played well in the grand final, and he hasn't been playing well this year. Um, people were saying the other day it was a surprise if they would pressure him. Well, that's just stupid. Like we said, Milford wasn't going to be doing... The kicking, Smith needed to chip in, but I thought we did a good job pressuring him. Um, the most effective kicks I thought they had was Smith's first touch finder inside the 10 metres and that one that was laid on for Cronk that Tedesco had covered up. But um, he obviously, he laid that one on for Oates as well. But for the most part of the game, when you can't get out of your own 20, it's pretty hard to kick and release pressure on the third or fourth tackle like they usually do because they were just absolutely camped in their own end. No, I think we're going to give some credit to Tedesco there because he, he caught a lot of those kicks on the floor and ripped them back. Like, we've had... We've too often had fullbacks there just catch the ball and cock around. Uh, he, he was catching the ball and running at the Queenslanders. So there's nothing better as a middle forward. And, that, and that's where the yardage battle was won lost last night. It, it, I thought both kicking games, the Queensland Queenslanders and ours, was pretty poor, to be fair. Like, oh, yeah. I know we kept bombing the Oats, and I know the, I know the reasons behind that, but... We didn't really build a lot of pressure. I'm not sure how many dropouts we forced, but it wasn't many. Well, we only forced um, we only forced one, and that was Wade Graham. And that was the next point I was going to make. Set finishes in the first half between Pierce and Maloney weren't really thought out. There was a lot of panic. Well, neither. No, well, neither. Smith, Cronk, um, and the Queenslanders, Milford and that didn't kick ball either. Like, but I think a lot of that came down to Tedesco. He caught the ball and he ripped it straight back at them. And straight away, that changes the yardage game because... Instead of catching and dicking around and passing or whatever, you're not getting tackled where the kick is caught. Like you're getting, he was winning that first tackle, and he's also gaining 15, 20 meters every time. It was as good of a performance as I've seen from a fullback in Origin since some of Billy Slater's best games. Like he, he looks like a young Billy Slater, Tedesco. Yeah, and, and that's a big rap. He doesn't obviously have the ball playing ability of, of Slater, but just in the in the in the way that he's catching the ball and running it back, he looks very Slater like. Mm. And for anyone out there, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, people were questioning his form, and a lot of people with names, honestly, give yourself a triple because the bloke basically plays for a reserve grade side, and even in that, well, who do you pick? Uh, if yeah. you don't pick Tedesco, who do you pick? It doesn't even matter about that. Anyone with half a brain who watched the Tigers Boiler. and Broncos games, and they were going, "Oh, he was poor." He got over the line three times and was denied by the video ref, and every time he touched the football, he beat the first three or four blokes when he was catching it flat with absolutely no momentum. He plays behind a beaten pack. He has no help at all, and to think that someone who plays that well in such a bad side is not going to flourish when he moves into an elite team, you've got to give yourself a triple. But There's um, only one fullback better than him in the game. It's Billy Slater. Queensland didn't pick him. So, and based on what I saw last night, he may well be on current form better than Billy Slater. Yeah, on Billy Slater's best form, I think he's the greatest ever. And Billy's obviously in the twilight of his career, but I still believe he's the best fullback option for Queensland well, um, in terms of the backline makeup because you've got to you've got to get him in and 
you've got to get rid of O'Neill. Like, I know O'Neill got injured anyway, so I might make that decision a lot easier if you kept Walters, but Gagai needs to go in the centres. And there were a few people saying last night, Gagai can't play in the centres. Like, he plays centre every week. Out there, I tell you, like, he killed it when he went into the centres. They were hiding O'Neill, trying to hide O'Neill on the wing for most of that game. Well, he plays centre so week some in. Some people's awareness on what's going on during the game is ridiculous just because he had four on his back. Um, it, it didn't mean that he was playing four. Well, Gagai was playing four. Ridiculous in the first place that O'Neill was picked, and I said that. He's absolute butter. He's been injured. Um, he's been in poor form. He hasn't scored a try in almost 18 months or something ridiculous. He did have one good patch or one good year when they won the grand final, but I thought he was ordinary last year, and I can't believe we picked him. He was part of the Australian squad, for Christ's sake, and I know the pick-and-stick thing, but dear God, um, some things are well, just... pick-and-stick's fine, and so you get flogged 28-4. Yeah, well, that it's one was... The fucking, it's the, this is the shit that, that, that annoys me about Queensland. Don't, don't sit up there and say, oh, look at how you change your side. Look at, look at you. Well, now you're going to do exactly the same thing. Because you got lapped. Well, you have to. So you, you, you base your selections and you change your side based on results. It's easy for 10 years to sit up there on your asses and say, ah, oh, you know, we, we, we never change our team. Well, hello, you've just won 10 of the last 11 series. Yeah. Well, would you change your team? Exactly. In Nifnos. And the other thing as well. So, look, they, they need to change their team. And I won't be criticising them for changing their team. No, they need to change it. If they want to compete in game two, they need a different side. And we've said... Simple, simple as that. Said before, they're usually um, pretty... The stick stuff's great. Yeah, you know, but in the end, you, loyalty to what? You're loyal to the result that the, the players produce and the team produces. Kevin, Kevin Walters can't sit on his hands and, oh, I've got to pick the same team because that's the Queensland way. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, Leave me alone. He's got to pick the best side because he, his job's under pressure. Like, if they get lapped again, they, they get swept... I'm not saying he's going to get the arse. Obviously, he got a little bit of uh, money in the bank in the fact that they won last year. But, you know, he, he loses 3-0, which I think is highly possible now, based on what I saw last night, particularly if they don't make a lot of changes. His job will be under pressure heading into next year's series. Yeah, well, the thing about it is, and people, we, we talk about their half-depth, their hooker depth, and, you know, the possibilities at fullback. That's all well and good, but... The area everyone forgets, and that's the reason we've been so dirty for so long for New South Wales, is when we have players in form and we have a lot more players to pick from, we have denied them. We probably haven't had the halves and obviously the spine players, but if we have, we've denied them. But uh, honestly, I think there's a bit of a lean truck coming here because once all these forwards go, the back row's okay. Hess and Wallace definitely need to come in, but the other guys that are knock on the door are already past it. Like People were calling for Gavin Cooper... Brenton Lawrence, and they're, they're good first graders, but they're both 30-plus years old already. They're not going to change the complexion of their forward pack. And you've got Corbin Sims, who some people are calling for now, who's you know hasn't had a great first-grade career. He's been around, but he hasn't kicked down the door to say, make me a rep player. And Kafusi, who I thought at Melbourne has been doing a good job and been part of the emerging sides, and Glasby also at Melbourne. Glasby's an average first grader. Like to, you know, that just shows the difference again in what they've got to pick from. And um, you know, in the forwards in particular, compared to us, I think they've got a bit of a lean run coming. Well, it looks that way. It does look that way, but, you know, we can't overreact on one game. I want to see game two. I want to see them with uh, Thurston and Slater back in the side and restructure that back line because I think Chambers and Gagai will give them a lot more coming out of yardage. Oates, obviously, if we're going to nullify him that way, that's fine, but we're then going to have to deal with Boyd coming out of dummy half. So I do think the yardage game is going to change. For me, Milford wasn't uh, wasn't poor, but I don't think he had the impact that I really wanted. Cooper Cronk is obviously going to hold his spot for the series, so it's no, no point talking about that. But for me, I, I've had a little bit of time to think about it today. I, I, I think if 
Corey Norman's fit and uh, Thurston isn't right for the next game, I'm putting Corey, either Corey Norman in or you start Michael Morgan. Um, for me, I'm not picking a utility on the bench if I'm Queensland. They got shown up in the middle of the field last night. Michael Morgan isn't the answer, or any utility isn't the answer when you're getting pillaged through the middle of the field. For me, they need to pick four forwards. So I don't care who they are. Uh, for me, Kafusi, Felice Kafusi and Wallace need to come in. Um, who are the other? Cohen Hessel is the obvious one. He has to come in. Um, and you, you've got to get rid of, for me, you've got to get rid of Lillyman, you've got to get rid of the utility, and you've got to get, get rid of Nate Miles and Justin O'Neill. Um, and for me, Slater comes in. Uh, who else did I just say? Wallace comes in. Felice Kafusi comes in. And Cohen Hess comes in. That's how, that's the side I'd pick. Um and then if we're going to replace one of these halves, I'd, I'd probably get rid of Milford and Morgan. I know you're probably throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but for me, Milford, they need to be winning the middle for Milford to have an effect. And I'm not too sure that they're going to be able to really dominate the middle. So I'd go with more either a big body in Morgan, like just pick Morgan and start him, or I'd go to Corey Norman because I know that he's not afraid to get hit. Um, he'll go to the line. Uh, and he's got a little bit of variation in his game, whereas I think Milford totally relies on either broken player or forward pack going forward. Yeah, well, and that's all truth. And we've said. Also, before. sorry, sorry, just to finish. He doesn't have a kicking game, Milford. No, he doesn't have a kicking game. Norman does have a kicking game. He plays on that left hand side. And I, again, even when he wasn't injured, I was disappointed that they were talking about Milford in the first vein. And this is the problem again with reputations, in my opinion. I think Milford's a great player, but. Reputation, Bennett, the Broncos, Wayne Bennett, Kevin Wall, everyone talking about him almost guaranteed that he was going to get first crack at the six jersey instead of paying attention to the quality uh, that I think Norman's been producing. But um, changes definitely have to be made. But talking more about the game again, where we were at before, the set finishes for New South Wales weren't really thought out. Um, you know, given the field position, I thought there was a lot of panic inside the 20. Well, they, they were. Let's give them a little bit of credit. They were bombing to Oates because they knew that they knew that he was there their biggest threat coming out of yardage. So yeah. that was a tactic. I understand I'll, I'll for that. I understand that, but I'm talking inside twenty, not the that's what I'm getting at. The inside twenty options in, yeah, yeah, in, sorry, in mate, particular, yeah. you know, off the quick play of the balls and opportunities we had, I'm surprised we didn't run the ball a little bit more. And the two moments are probably highlight it is the thirtieth minute, um, you know, Gray makes that half break, quick play of the ball and Pierce gets it, but he put that awful like jab kick and they got the seven tackle set. So no repeats or points and um, the thirty fourth minute you had Haynes, School, O'Neill bust away, and off that fifth tackle, we shifted to Tedesco. He got over the line. He unfortunately dropped it. But, um, yeah, just with some of the poor options and the quick play the ball speed we had, you kind of got the feeling that we had some missed chances and we should have had more points. But, um, you know, they did strike back. They had that one opportunity there where O'Neill did go past Hayne. He got pulled apart maybe once or twice there on his inside shoulder. And we got to 6-4, and you kind of felt that the dominance was wasted. Well, that's how I was feeling, but... For Fafita, that's, that's the man again who made the difference. He had a massive carry just before halftime, beat about three or four players, which gave us to play the ball for Pierce and Maloney to link up like they used to when they were at the Roosters. That Graham and Maloney combo, I have no idea, again, how we didn't start with Wade Graham. And once he got on, you saw the difference. He set up on the left there. He dropped that ball inside when they were a bit lazy for Tedesco to give it back to Pierce. And that moment, I think, at 12-14 at halftime, you could really, really feel that we were kind of seizing the opportunity that Queensland has so often and that we're going to come out in the second half and probably finish things off. Yeah, that was the straw that broke Camel's back, that try right on half-time, no doubt. I certainly wasn't expecting it. You always expect Queensland to finish the half better, but um, I thought Queensland definitely started the game 
better in you know what Napa did in that first five minutes. We were able to weather that and we scored uh, early on, and then we were able to again score at the back end of the half. Um, if you have a look at a lot of NRL games and uh, the stats, if you have a look at the first five and the last five of each half, it often gives you a good indication on who wins the match, um, just in you know whether you can weather a possession and weather uh, or take advantages of gluts of possession. But it's just such an important, uh, I guess, part of the game in that you know how you start and how you finish halves, uh, because of all that good work that we did. Uh, in that half, you know, we were talking with five to go after Queensland had scored. It was 6-4 or whatever it was going, well, you know, really, Queensland have probably won this half because they've, we've, we've had a lot of pressure, we've had a lot of ball, we've had a lot of opportunities, and we're going to go in at 6-4. Yeah. So well, I think realistically we needed a score bang on half time to take advantage of you know, how well we played in the first half. We had to because Fafita had been on another planet. Tedesco was all over the place. Our pack dominated territory. Uh, we had all the good ball. And that one lapse, we conceded points, but um, that kind of saved our whole half because up till that point, even though we dominated all those categories, Queensland kind of absorbed, even though they'd struggled um, getting out of their own end. But the only real ones that had an impact, I guess, Gagai Chambers, Papali making yards, but the middle for them was exposed massively. And um, that, that first half, just absolute quality. One error for the whole half. 60 misses was really weird to see, but it was a frantic pace and it was an excellent half of footy, but... Definitely, that was the the keystone moment. Scoring right on half time saved all the hard work we put in, and I don't know what I don't think we would have came out, uh, you know, negative. But you know, I thought we stuck to our guns, which is good to see. Because in the past, New South Wales would get off the track or we'd start panicking, and uh, for food to really set things up. But second half, we started fast again, which is what we needed to do. And you know, off that try, you thought we'd come out and do so, and. Uh, I thought we did the exact same thing. We had the the dominance. Tedesco broke the line. Only the second set. Maloney running off him. We had, we had a poor set finish, unfortunately, again. And, uh, you know, only a couple of minutes later, there was a fifth tackle bomb where I think it was Gagai missed it completely. And Hayne had an opportunity to get on a loose ball, but he missed it. And uh, a couple of seconds later, I was a bit weirded out because not only did we dominate the field possession again, but Dugan, he was running down a short side. He had Ferguson open. He didn't even look. And then he put a grabber in for himself, which was dreadful. And kind of got that same kind of feeling again that we're just going to keep wasting opportunities for, to no avail. And um, a couple of penalties after Queensland marched down the field for Gillette getting tackled and Tedesco on the end. Clemmer put us back in a good position. And luckily for us, after a stoppage in play, and I think a bit of a reset after Pierce got wiped out by Chambers and at the same time Milford went off, which is a bit strange to see two guys that had a lot of questions on them going into the game go off the exact same moment. Um, that weird circumstance led to Bird going to six and Morgan going to six. Graham finally got us one of those repeat sets we'd been looking for. And once again, uh, you know, he linked with Maloney. Uh, oh, sorry, well, that's what I was about to say here. In that moment, actually, just beforehand, you mentioned it last night. No one's really talked about it yet. When uh, Pierce went off, Dugan had just been benched before Bird had came on. And then we had to bring him straight back on. So what, what do we read into that? Well, Laurie Daly addressed it in the media. He said, oh, you know, we, we'd always plan to do it. And, you know, we sort of bought him off and then we wanted to give Bird time there. And he smothered it really well. And again, I, say, that's, say, that's a, uh, say it's a six-all game and Laurie Daly makes that interchange. Like, it's a bloody risky interchange to make, to, to bring off a centre and put another, another guy on and waste an interchange on it. Like, obviously, interchanges weren't a huge deal 
last night. Like we didn't have real much interchange pressure because we were lucky enough to have, well, not lucky enough, but Fafita went off and had a 15-minute spell where we were able to get Jake Trubovic on, which coincided with a period of the game where he was probably going to get subbed anyway. So it sort of saved us two interchanges. We'd only used two at halftime, I think. So we used a third uh, about five or six minutes into the second half. So there wasn't that interchange pressure. But, yeah, for Laurie Daly to do that, uh, to hook Dugan, I thought it was a right call. Like, if you've got Bird sitting there, Dugan was – he was hurting us. Uh, offensively, he was making some really poor choices offensively. I, I thought Hayne hurt us defensively. Again, I highlighted these concerns uh, in our preview. He, he doesn't defend his inside shoulder. He jumps in. He stays out. Uh, they're going to go there game to game uh, game two, uh, and you know they're going to have a lot of video there to work with and work out what uh, where his weaknesses are. And the other thing is, it was Justin O'Neill giving him a bath. You know, a guy who hasn't scored a try in 18, 18 months, so. Yeah, Dan Gagai on him, and there are going to be some issues there. So, uh, but yeah, going back to the original point, Dugan he got the hook, and then he had to put him on about three minutes later. So, yeah, I just. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Still don't think Laurie, I think Laurie Daly did a much better job with his interchanges last night and probably having John Cartwright there on staff, Anthony LaFranchi, some guys there with a little bit of NRL experience that are there from the day-to-day and understand how important that is would have helped. Um, he also probably got a kick up the arse for people in the media like ourselves who highlighted how poorly he used his interchanges last year. I think um, I honestly think we're the only ones who highlighted that last year, which is ridiculous because... Um... He, he made some absolutely terrible decisions as far as the subs have been in the previous couple of years and just the way he's used his bench, which we were obviously worried about. But they definitely got it right last yeah. night. He did. He, well, he got it. I don't think he got it bang on, but oh. he, got, he got parts of it right. I still think there's room for improvement. I also go back to the original point that, you know, you should pick your... Gus Gould's got to say that you pick your bench first. Um, for me, I... I I, I don't know how you do that. I, I think you just pick your best 13 because they're the guys who are going to be out there for the majority of the time. His philosophy is in origin, you pick your bench first um, because more often than not, they're guys that don't play on the bench at club football, which I which I, I can understand. But for me, I think it's really important we get our starting 13 right yeah. uh, and then sort of worry about our bench. So I don't think our starting 13 is bang, bang on as good as it could be. I think... Wade Graham could easily just play 80, similar to what Boyd Cordner did. Um, and that'll, that'll then allow you to uh, use less interchanges, which means that you can really have more impact from Fafita. You could you could sub Fafita on and off twice, and you could probably probably get 55 minutes out of Fafita rather than the 45 odd that we got last night. So um, if, if, you can, if you can use him over three stints is my point. So... Yeah, um, well, I, there's still still a few little things there that I reckon we could we could tweak with, but 
sorry, tweak, but I don't think he will because we won't. You know, the result yeah. dictates that, you know, what we did last night, he'll probably roll over again in the game too. It's not broke. Um, you're not going to try and fix it. So, uh, yeah, interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, well, I don't think he makes any changes, but uh, when Dugan did get hooked, uh, we spoke about Bird. He came on after Graham forced our first repeat set. Teddy, oh, sorry, Birdie's first run was outstanding. Quick play the ball straight away. Tedesco jumped out of dummy half. Mate, the, the way he stops and just turns on a dime, he beat four blokes to get there, and it was at that moment that you really felt that the gates were finally going to open up because after that, we finally started to bank some points. We just kept chewing them up. Um, we bombed them. His agility them. is exceptional. Oh. Tedesco's agility. His ability to have speed, that rugby league speed. So we're talking about being able to move laterally while still maintaining a good uh, sort of cruising speed. He's exceptional. Oh. He's... Unbelievable in in, the t- in terms of being able to move laterally while still moving at a good clip. Uh, true rugby league speed. Again, similar to what we see out of guys like Billy Slater. Yeah, well, not not even your top line speed, just moving around with the ball, game speed, cutting, changing direction. And um, his try is what really sparked everything because after that, we marched downfield again. We bombed him literally about a metre out from our line and O'Neill fittingly spilt that ball again to another bloke who deserved to try and for feeder who crashed over and, um, you know, next minute it was a fifth tackle run again instead of a poor kick where that Sharks combination that we spoke of and Graham, who had a great impact off the bench, linked with Maloney, short side numbers, and they exposed O'Neill, um, you know, for Hayne to go over. And basically after that eight-minute blitz, you, you knew the game was over. All that dominance, the territory, the play, the ball, speed, and just game control that we had had finally paid off in that uh, that stint. And, you know, it was, it was finally good to see us just not relent from killing the ruck we played flat, we played fast, we were eyes up, and it was really, really nice to see instead of the bull crap he's been implementing, all the block, block crap and drifting overs. And obviously on top of that, we didn't have Paul Gallen and Robbie Farrah stifling us like they have in the past. Gallen, sh- you know, sharking 100 runs. Robbie Farrah getting out and fiddling with the ball and making it all about himself. And, um, you know, having those halves and the fullback run things last night with Peach just giving outstanding service off the deck and dynamic players like away, Graham, who can chip in and help out. We just look so much better in attack. Well, look, Laurie Daly's dodged a bullet because how the fuck was he going to pick Peter Wallace? Well, I was Peter Wallace to... was going to play. Peter Wallace was going to play Mate, until he got injured. You're preaching to the choir. And we, would never, we may, may never have ever seen Nathan Peace play Orange. You are preaching to now, the... Yeah. you're looking going, well, if Nathan Peace uh, stays fit, he's going to be our hooker for you know, the next five or six years. Well, you're preaching... So, you're preaching oh, to... I, no, I don't get it. I, I, know, I think Gossip was, was a little bit on the uh, Wallace train. And, you know, you you were probably leaning more McInnes and I was leaning more Peets. Um, and that was that was due to a few defensive lapses that Peets had displayed. And I, I totally understood where you were coming from. I still would have went Peets just because... Uh, just a few... Even in the tweets he sent out last year saying, you know, like, I'm sick of talking about Origin because I'm never going to be picked and... Like, I just felt like he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I like that about him. He takes things personally. He wants to play Origin. He wants to prove himself. Um, I would have been happy with either McInnes or Peets, but I really wanted to see Peets get his opportunity to see what he, he could deliver. And, you know, he, he missed he's, he missed a few tackles last night, but he's going to. He's only, he's only a little body, but he, he wants to tackle. There's a difference between being in the middle and missing tackles because you're passive He's missing tackles because he's getting off and he's trying to whack blokes. Yeah. Um, he, he he made 53 tackles in the middle of the field and only missed three. Like, that's 
that's exceptional. Like you look at Cameron Smith made forty one and missed seven. So, and, and we're talking about the greatest ever hooker of all time. So he outplayed the the, the best hooker of all time at Suncorp Stadium in his debut game. So he's he's done a tremendous job, Nathan Peets, last night. Um, and full credit to him. It was and to play eighty. There were concerns. People said, "Oh, he can't play eighty. Bullshit, he can't play eighty. You know, look, what they do at the Titans, I don't agree with having the hooker on the bench and rolling him over. And it's rubbish. Like he's he's good enough. Let him play. Yeah, well, as long as you're not on the Ben Elias train of saying that he's better than Cameron Smith after one game and he's going to play for Australia, then you're all good. No, what a crock of shit. No, but the one comment that I, you know, what what uh, Elias did say, and look, we're, we're going off really early here, but let's say New South Wales win the series 2-1 or, t- or even 3-0. That throws a huge spanner in the works in terms of the World Cup squad. Oh, I don't really think. I already reckon that Mal Meninga's done... Uh, a fair bit of change, and I think that side that we saw earlier in the year will be, you know, dismantled. Your thigh days, these kind of guys. I don't think he'll take them to the World Cup. I didn't think he was planning on well, that. Well, but... this is the thing. Like he's got, a, he's got a loyalty to a lot of these guys. Yeah. You know, like as far back as it goes, you know, who are we, who are we talking about? We're talking, talking about thigh day. You know, obviously Nate Miles already gone. Well, I'm going to take him. Cronk's in... form. If Cronk's form continues the way it is, hmm, Justin O'Neill. We obviously we spoke about that. You know, and then and then you're going to have to try and fit. We okay, we can, we're going to be able to fit Boyd, Slater, and Tedesco all on the side together because Boyd's got that great ability to play just as well on the wing. Uh, but there are going to be some real difficult selections there for Malmeninger at the end of the year. Well, I think to be honest, he's already said it himself. Uh, you know that, that there will be no people that are guaranteed their play. I think you can only guarantee two spots or three spots if they're healthy. That's Smith, Cronk, and Thurston. I think they're all safe. But honestly. Thiday's gone. He won't pick Thiday. Um, I don't think he's Cronk safe. Is Cronk to me? He shouldn't be safe. But based I'm, on what I've seen this year, Pierce is playing better than Cronk. He is playing better. But I'm going off Mal Meninga. I think there's only three guys he would be loyal to, and that would be Thurston in the squad. You're saying out of, out of all those guys that people talk about, I think Thurston, Cronk, and Smith, if healthy and ready to go, all sh- absolute well, shillings. I'd go as far as saying Papali, Gillette, and Chambers would go in there. Oh, as but well. we're not talking young guys. I mean, the older dudes we're talking about. I reckon okay, yeah, yeah. if you want to go old, aging players or those key players, I think those three guys, if they're healthy, he'll pick all of them. But you're talking about Thiday, these kind of guys, he won't pick them. He's got no allegiance to them. He didn't pick Maguire. Um, I think people like Vaughan, Tedesco, and even Slater. Slater's not getting a look in. He basically said it as much himself that he doesn't know if he would have picked him. Yeah, um, but I'm also looking towards, you know, like a Merrin or a, uh, a oh, Shannon Boy. He'll be gone. Like these sort of guys. Like, you're going to see a big turnover in that squad, is my point. Oh, 100%. And I think he'll uh, stick to his word. He said World Cup, that it's a big difference. And that, you know, that mid-year test, like we said, short turnaround, short preparation, those other guys had won. So then afterwards, it'll come down to their club form. And you're talking oh, about okay. your, your Merrins and all those kind of guys. They'd definitely be gone. And if, uh, if things were fair and equal, it would be Tedesco and a Boyd that would be in that side, and a Vaughney would be part of that squad, and a couple more of these forwards that missed out, like a Maguire, will be going uh, over on that tour. But um, I suppose finishing off and get back to what we're talking about, the game, um, that dominant period, we it was just nice that we just didn't relent. We kept killing the ruck. Uh, we did a real, real good job, and I think those plays at the end of the game kind of summed up the night where Gillette went through, but Tedesco shut him down along with Trebojevic, and they had to scramble the tackle later to stop Gagai from going in the corner. In the last 15 minutes, I thought we did a real good job of just keeping the pressure on, eating up yardage. We pinned them down their own end, and 
um, some of the big contact, particularly you were pointing out, you know, Wade Graham, Boyd Cordner were just absolutely lighting blokes up. And, you know, the 70th minute probably highlighted everything for the night when Guerra went through on that short side. He threw the cutout, he got the ball back, and Dugan, even after not having the greatest night early on, he followed up, he knocked that ball out, and that was just summed up the night. And it was finally us making those plays that Queensland usually do. And, um, you know, even when we had to reshuffle in the second half, which is another reason I think we have more improvement because Pierce went off and in the 50th minute and set finishes weren't great. But, you know, just little things like that and the fact that we still went on to win the way we did and shut them out second half points-wise, uh, I thought New South Wales were absolutely brilliant and I honestly thought we won all aspects of the game. Attitude, effort, the dominance, um, you know, led by Fafita, who just absolutely chewed them up and trashed them and, Defensively, you know, we just destroyed them in the middle of the field. Cronk was pressured. Set finishes were bad. Um, and, and basically, our dominance cancelled out our poor finishes. But, um, you know, Wade Graham's stint with Maloney paid dividends. I think it proved that he should be starting. Tedesco, absolutely brilliant. And said it before, say it again. No Gallon, no Farrah. It was nice to see, um, you know, a couple of selfish blokes out of the team. And just it Pete's coming in and showing that toughness and selflessness we all wanted all along. And, um, you know, if I, if I was going to pick three guys in particular that stood out, but even though I thought everyone did their job, Fafita, Tedesco and Pete's, uh, I thought for the night, were brilliant. And Maloney in the second half, once Pierce was off, I thought he did a real good job as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. I agree with all that. I think the game sort of went to crap the last 20 minutes. It was a bit of garbage time. But yeah. the first 40 was uh, exceptionally competitive and a great level of footy. The 20 minutes after half time, we sort of took advantage of what we should have taken advantage of in the first half, and the last 20 was garbage. Let's face it. Yeah, well, uh, I think the game sort of went to shit. So, look, everyone's going to look forward now to game two. I'm not going to take a lot out of that game. Uh, as a New South Wales fan, I, I don't take a lot out of it. I, I wasn't surprised by our performance. I'm glad that we sort of we hit somewhere near our potential. Uh, and I wasn't surprised by Queensland's performance, and I expect them to bounce back really hard. Uh, I've lost no lost, lost no respect for them, but I, I do think it was probably the worst performance by a Queensland team in the last. God, I have to be close to fifteen years. Yeah, uh, to get flogged like that, I think it's our biggest ever victory at Suncorp. I'm still giving us a wrap though. I thought we earned it. We ran all over them. Um, yeah, we... but I, I don't. I don't look at our side and go, "This is one of the best ever New South Wales sides." No, nah, but we certainly. You know, so I think from that perspective, there should be some eyebrows raised north of the border. They do need to react accordingly, uh, unless they want to uh, want to repeat the dose again down here in two weeks, uh, in three weeks' time. But you need the cattle. The series will be as good as over, you know. So I've just highlighted it. Very, very interested. All the pressure now goes to Queensland. They're coming down here. We're at home. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a trap game for us as well. In the, you know, we're at home. We won up. You know, we won twenty four. Things all look good. We're at dollar fifty with the with the bookmakers. So it's a bit of a trap game for us. But I just want to see them squirm over the next three weeks and see how they react when they're put under a bit of pressure. You know, the last ten years, it's been it's been us. Uh, you know, having to to bear the brunt of all the pressure and all the talk and you know all the shit talk that Queensland are able to to, to generate based on the fact they just keep winning. Uh, I don't think there's anything outside of the fact that they've got such a brilliant side in the fact that they haven't had to make changes. You know, and we're probably never ever going to see a run like that again. Uh, if we do, I hope it's New South Wales. But this just pulls apart in terms of the players available um, to them and. There's now a little bit of pressure on Kevin Walters to be able to identify the right players to put into that side. 
in order to get a better performance because last night wasn't good enough. Well, I think it comes down to what I said before, and I don't know if it's going to get any better because you need the cattle to be able to pick, and I don't think they've got the forwards to turn over. A Friday, a Miles, a Lilliman, uh, Guerra barely got an opportunity for the last 20, 30 minutes, and I thought he was better than all those guys off the bench, but they've got Hess and Wallace, who definitely deserve to be there. Kafusi's played well this year, but previous to that, and you talk about those few other names I mentioned, Lawrence, yeah, okay, Cooper, but you're gonna, you're, This is my argument. Are you just going to go with the known? So no, go I'm saying you've got to roll it over. Those guys, or do you just go, well, I'm going to put Fleece in for the last two games? You have to. Give him, put, put some money in the bank in terms of experience and going down to New South Wales in a pressure game, coming back to Suncorp for game three, and then looking forward to next year's series. Oh, Nate Miles uh, is not going to play in next year's series. Jacob Lilliman is not going to play in next year's series. So no, neither. Um, I don't think it's sacrificing the series in order to pick these younger blokes. I'd rather pick them a little bit early. I don't uh, think... You know, let's say well, they're six to 12 months early. Okay, big whoop. You know, you're down 1-0 and you've got to play a game. You've got two more games to go. 75% of teams who win game one win the series. So really, you've got a 25% chance of winning this series, Queensland. So... I do think, to a degree, you've got to try and pick your best side to win this game too, but you've also got to pick a side now looking ahead, saying, righto, well, who's going to be in the side next year? Yeah, but that's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying that we, they shouldn't sacrifice. I wouldn't pick those blokes in the first place. I would have picked the guys we mentioned. Well, me Wallace, either, me either, has, but now they have. Yeah. I tend, to, I tend to go on the side of, well, no, you've made your bet, lie in it. If you were going to pick those guys, you should have picked them in game one. Don't now put them under pressure coming down here for game two, but... You know, I, I think they, they probably should because I do think if they pick the right side, they can beat us. This is what I mean. They, they can beat us easily. Um, you know, it was 6-4 there and then they give up that try before half-time. They bombed a couple of tries themselves late in that game. Look, I think realistically last night, we deserved to win by probably 12 points. I thought we were a two-try better side when you take away try save, luck, all that sort of stuff. I thought we were a 12-point better side. Um, you know, we... Tedesco saved the try. Um, we had the one where he stripped it over the line. Uh, he, so there was a few a few times there where most of the time they would have scored Queensland. So I don't think it's time for alarm bells to be ringing up there, but they need to make sure for this game they pick the right team. Yeah, but you're still missing my point. I'm not saying about those couple of changes that, you know... No, this isn't, this isn't a shot at you. I, I'm not having a shot at what you said. No, not that. I, I'm what I'm getting at... Realistically about their side. Look at it, though, from the point I'm trying to bring up. Moving forward, those guys should have been in, but who else is there? I'm saying moving forward over the next couple of years, if these guys don't work out, and they should have been blooded right now, the depth is not there. Lawrence is 30-plus years old. Cooper, 30-plus years old. There is not the players there in the forwards, and they've never had as many to pick from, but while they're loaded in these spine positions we've talked about, it's all well and good to have them, but if you can't lay a platform... You can't beat us, and I'm looking at our forward stocks and the guys that missed out. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. They either, I think they either stick with these old farts and get the same result, or they put these young guys in. Well, they, they have to put them in. to put the young guys in. But I'm not saying about right now. I'm saying moving forward, I can see possibly a bit of dominance over the horizon because if they don't have the stocks or anyone pushing through, which there's not a whole lot of options at the moment uh, in young cattle, once they flip over these guys they need to, you know, they're going to be pretty bare in the forward stocks. So I think there's a real well, good opportunity. Well, they them. There's well, not much depth outside them. That's well, what I mean. I, I agree with that. And but even who comes the, in. The side's there. The side's there if they pick the right side. Yeah, I still think who comes in is not better than what we've got. That's what I'm getting at. So I think the next well, okay. few years, yeah, well, I hope you're right. there's a real good opportunity right. for We don't know that because he hasn't picked them. I know. Similar, to what, similar to the argument that we've had with the Blues over the last bloody 10 years. 
but yeah, forward stocks wise, uh, you know, I think we're in a real good position. And yeah, I just don't see what's coming through. Hess Wallace definitely should have been on the bench. Then he's got to either reach for a Kafusi or does he debut one of those older guys? But after that, the only other guy that's sort of younger that's a forward for them, uh, we mentioned guys that have been in that camp, Glasby, a Welch. They're okay first graders. I don't see them as origin players and. Ethan Lowe uh, had a couple of good years there. He's been okay this year for them, but he's not making a massive difference off the bench. So um, the fact that we've left Vaughn out, we've got McLean, Boyd played for Australia, hasn't been in the greatest of form, and just some of our back row stocks and those kind of bits yeah, and pieces. Give me, give me Lowe over Lillyman any day. hundred percent, but I'm just saying. Give me Lowe over Miles any day. That's what I mean. You get, what's the matter? Who, like, whether, okay, they're better than what we've got. How do we, we don't know that because I haven't picked them. So pick them, and then if they're not good enough, then look outside of that. But at the moment, the guys you're picking aren't good enough. You know that. You just got lapped. So pick the best side that you think. Um, shelve these old dudes. And then outside of that, if, if that doesn't work, then you've got to invest the time in them to, to develop them as origin players. And give them, they're not going to go in and perform after one or two games. That's my point. Give them this year. You, this series is not all but gone. But history tells you that only 25% of teams that lose game one are going to win the series. Well, they should have been, so should have been picked simply. In for next, ahead of, you know, obviously, first, foremostly, it's the right team to pick. And secondly, it's the right thing to do moving forward. So it's a no-brainer for me. If it, he doesn't, if he picks the same side, he's a fool. Yeah, 100%. But that's not the point. Like I said, it was the stock moving forward. It is a no-brainer. We killed him in the middle, and that was what we highlighted. Hess and Wallace in particular leg speed, footwork, competing with what we had, putting those old blokes out there, they were asking for us to just tear them a new one, and we did. So um, for New South Wales, though, moving forward, you know there's going to be no changes as long as there's no injuries. If they stick to what they were doing, I think the main things they need to improve on, obviously uh, the kick, the, just finishing the sets off. The finishing the sets has to be better. I think Dugan and Hayne both need to be better defensively. I, I know Dugan in attack, we said, had a couple of moments there, but I think defensively, him and Hayne both, were a little bit touchy. He wasn't as bad as Hayne, and the other one was Woods. Well, I'd um, make a change. I'd still... get rid of Woods and I'd bring in Vaughn. Well, uh-huh. I'm still blown away about the amount of people that are enamoured by him, and I had a couple of people say, well, what about those offloads? Well, yeah, when he got tackled on the spot in wheelbarrow by three blokes and just threw a hand grenade, he got two or three out, but he never gets over the ad line. He doesn't dominate his rucks. And just go back, watch last night's game. When they're retreating on defence, he's got his back turned, he stops moving, he doesn't tie in. And his first up contact, dead set, there's that many tackles where blokes find their front or he has to make a second effort to get back in. He's just, he's a power walker. I just don't think he has an impact in the game. And we'll make no changes, but I think that Vaughn at least has to be brought into the camp. But on the Queensland side of things, it is a change in the guard. Inglis, Thurston, Parker, Scott Slater, whatever happens in the next 12 months, they need to flip some players over. And I'm with you. I would go Slater, Oates and Boyd on the wing, Chambers, Gagai into the centres. You know, people talk about Holmes. If you're bringing Holmes in, like Oates didn't do anything to lose his job and you're not going to punt Boyd. But if they were going to leave Boyd at the back, I'd have to move O'Neill out at least if Slater's not coming back in and give Holmes the other spot. But um, the, the the sixth spot, I'm with you. You either push Norman in if Thurston isn't back or you go, uh, sorry, you go with Norman or you put Thurston back in, but I'm not picking Milford, but you know they're not going to change that if he's not there. Cronk, uh, Wallace goes straight into the start and front row spot. The back row doesn't change and the bench... Um, you know, Hess definitely gets on there. And, you know, Thiday will be very lucky to hold his spot. I thought he didn't do much last night. And if they want to go for a Kafusi, He's ordinary and he carries on like a buffoon. He's got too much... He, he's overconfident. Yeah, well, they're at least three changes. Though he's his uh, ability and impact on that side, that's for sure. And he's, he's overweight. Like, let's face it, he's not up to it. He's fat and slow. Um, 
and he, he, he struggled last night. Like, he, he sort of got away with that body shape while the interchanges were uh, more than what they were because he, you know, could start off the bench and then sort of go on and play a short stint. But he's, I don't think he's physically up to it. It's not fit enough. No, man. Again, they tried to play him tight against that forward pack. No hope. So uh, if, they were, if they were really going to move forward, you would definitely be saying that Lilliman, Friday, Miles are gone and that Hess, Wallace and at least uh, Ethan Lowe or Kafusi gets their other spot. The Holmes move, that will only happen if he doesn't pick Slater again and in that case O'Neill goes. But Gago is definitely moving into the centre. So there's at least going to be two to three debutants in this side, possibly four if they go all out, which I think they should. Um, but I don't think they will. Well, they should. They definitely should. But um, if not, good luck to you. Oh, 100%. And I think uh, credit must go last night to Gagai and Chambers. They'll probably two of their better, especially Dan Gagai. Will, will Chambers. Will Chambers. He, he's as tough as. Well, Papali was good. Gillette was good. Um, no, I thought Gillette... Know, those edge guys were good. But, I thought Gillette was a bit quiet. And Chambers, I love Chambers. Look, defensively, he wants to belt everyone. He's always taking a tough carry. He's just doing the dirty job. Um, I, lo- I love that about him. He's such a good player. And Dan Gagai could potentially, for me, be just as good, or if not better than Chambers. Yeah, well, they... Uh, I, like, put, him in the, put him in the centres. They led from the front. They made the most metres. They broke they the most great. tackles. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I thought Maguire did a lot of dirty work. He was on his own in the middle there. Napa obviously banged his ankle up, didn't come back in, but... The middle of the field is where the game is won and lost, and uh, they got completely out outdone in the middle of the field. So I don't think anything else needs to be said. Those changes need to be made, and we'll have to see what happens three weeks' time in game two. And obviously injuries may have play a part in that, but fingers crossed from a Blues perspective um, that we don't see any of those. And honestly, I'm going to go out and say we're going to win a clean sweep this year. I think it's over and done with. I don't, because I don't... If they get Gerson back in and they pick Slater, um, I still think we beat him at the forwards. Changes. I still think we changes. get him. Yeah, well, yeah. I think he's going to make those. I've got faith he'll make those changes in the forwards. Um, and I think we're going. We're obviously going to stick with the right side. I think Clemmer and Woods can be exposed by the right type of play um, from Queensland. So I'm not totally convinced. I, I, I can see Queensland winning the series two-one. Uh, it's an outside chance, but. I could if Thurston came back in, Slater comes in, um, you pick pick the right side. Wallace comes in, Hess comes in, and they get us on the hop a little bit, a little bit overconfident. We we lose here at home, and then we're going to go back up there. Makes things very difficult. So I I, I think we'll win the series two one. Uh, I, I think we'll probably win this game at home, and then you know maybe lose a lose a tight one up there in game three, a bit of a, a revenge game on their behalf. I, I definitely. I'm going to stick with that prediction from what I saw last night and um, obviously I hope you're right, my friend. talking before uh, about you know a couple of changes hopefully they are made because obviously those outside backs Maguire Papali they were kind of on their own, but New South Wales, pretty good all around. Um, a couple of guys used less, but going back to the Aaron Woods thing, I don't want to pipe him one more time, but he also played the least amount of minutes. So they basically, you know, I know we're rolling and we're dominating, but it kind of speaks volumes of what we're talking about again. He's, yeah, the, he's out of shape. He's out of shape. Yeah, but he's been, well. he's, he's, 
the face of everything. He's the face of everything everyone talks about, and they'll love him. But he played the least amount of minutes, and he didn't have much of an impact on the game. So I, I stick by what I said the other day. I think we really denied ourselves the opportunity to pick the most dynamic front row pairing in the past decade in State of Origin with two guys that have genuine footwork, speed, size, minutes, and try scoring ability between Vaughan and Fafita. Dear Lord, like I know it sounds petty because we won, and I don't want to complain too much. But that one change, I think, could really just put us over the top. But um, hopefully, Pierce uh, silenced some people last night. I know plenty of people are going to take shots, but I expect him to have a big game, game two, um, if he doesn't get KO'd again and we clean up those set finishes. And um, the use of Jackson and Frizzell, I thought that was a bit weird as well. But um, overall, we got the job done and we dominated. So um, look at the odds with WilliamHill.com. Game two, New South Wales, $1.45 in Sydney, two fifty five for Queensland to bounce back and to win the series. New South Wales are $1.20. 440, Brock, if you think Queensland can win the series 2-1. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's obviously an outside chance. I'm just saying it's a possibility if they make these changes yeah. uh, and play good footy. Well, a couple of changes. 28-4 was a reflection of game one based on the players that were picked in game one. doesn't mean it's going to be locked up for the whole series. So, And history shows you when you... When you zig, you zag in origin more often than not. When it looks one way, it'll go totally the opposite. And we'll be talking about totally the opposite things come the end of game two. But um, it's all on, all on Queensland now. We've got to make some tough calls. So let's see if they do it. 100% time for a changing of the garden for New South Wales. Not to stick their head up their backsides to get the job done. Stay humble and make sure they push forward and start something for the next couple of years that we can actually be proud of after being towed up for the past decade. But every New South Wales fan out there, make sure you buy your tickets, get to the game at ANZ in a couple of weeks' time. Make sure we sell the joint out and hopefully we'll be tasting success in origin for only the second time in the past 11 series. But Brock, thanks for uh, joining me, even by phone. Bit of an emergency podcast, but the listeners obviously reacted when you post up, we're going to be doing one. Plenty of good feedback and hopefully everybody out there, you enjoy the show. Make sure you jump on iTunes, rate and review us. It's much appreciated and enjoy your week. And enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.